Hi, my name is Juan Serna and my team is Tampa Bay Rowdies. Hello everyone, my name is Ian Webb and welcome to What's Your Club? What's Your Club is a podcast for learning about all sorts of football slash soccer clubs from around the world from the people who are obsessed and or affiliated with said clubs. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Juan Serna. Juan is the manager of soccer operations for the Tampa Bay Rowdies from the second division of the American League system. Juan, thanks so much for coming on the podcast, man. How are you doing? I'm, I'm all good here. Uh, thanks for having me here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super happy to have you here, man. Um, so I get the impression you're a football-obsessed person based on um, what I've heard of you. So why don't you tell me about your experience and relationship with football before you worked for the Tampa Bay Rowdies? Um, I understand that you grew up in Colombia. So did your love for the sport start there? Yeah, then, like you say, I, I grew up in Colombia. I was born in Panama, actually, but my family is from Colombia. Then I moved to Colombia when I was just a baby. I mean, the main sport in, in Colombia is uh, soccer. Everything about it is soccer, soccer. You see that every day in the news and you create like a big connection with the, the team that you support. You, you know, usually it's like the, the city. In my case, is like uh, the team of my family, like because I grew up in a different city where my family is, but then it's really hard, but it's a love, it's a passion. It's a passion that you create with, with the sport more than just a team. Then I just started like loving soccer when I was just a little kid. And since then, I'm just involved with soccer all the time, every day of my life. So what was your club down in Colombia? Atletico Nacional is like the biggest team in Colombia. Okay, yeah, yeah, I've actually heard of them before. Um, they might be the only Colombian team I've heard of, but I've definitely heard of them before. Um, so when it comes to um, American soccer culture and Colombian soccer culture, what would you say are the biggest um, differences between the two? I mean, I will go like more general mm -hmm. and I will go more like a Latin American culture or is, uh, is the passion, like I said before. I have been working for the Rowdies for five years here. Uh, in the past, I worked in, in two different teams in Colombia. Oh. And what I can notice is the passion. Mm -hmm. Because here in U.S., even when your team is losing 5-0, you can see people getting pictures or <laughs> signatures from the yeah. players after a 5-0. Yeah. Uh, in Colombia, now in Colombia, if your team is losing five zero, you want to hit those players <laughs> or, and let them know that you are really mad yeah. because of that. Yeah. And that never happened here. That never happened right. here. Like, people, even when you're losing like that, they just like enjoy the moment, yeah. and it's more like a, a sports event. One of yeah, the true. a lot of sports event that is in this country is just one more. In, in Colombia, it's all about that. People, people get very, up, very uh, upset when, when your team is losing. Mm. Even 1-0, 2-0, people get very frustrated. So would you say that in American soccer, it's more like American soccer is just another form of entertainment, whereas in yes. Colombia, maybe yes. it's, it's kind of that stereotype of it being kind of like a religion to the people? Yeah. Yeah, like more, like I say, it's, it's not just 
we, we cannot just talk about Colombia, just mm. we can talk about the entire South America. It's more a religion thing. It's like, I mean, I personally, I, I follow uh, Atletico Nacional, what is like the biggest team in Colombia, one of the biggest teams in South America. I have a tattoo. I, I have the logo of my team in my back. Wow. And like awesome. the majority of the people have like tattoos of your team and they support your team and and until today, after eight years living in the U.S., I watch every single game of Atletico Nacional. Even if I'm working or if, if it's a rowdy's game, that because that happens sometimes, if it's a rowdy's game and I'm on the bench uh, with the coaches and everything, I just put my phone on the side and I, I, the game is on. <laughs> I know they're playing and the game is on over there. That's awesome, it's man. like I have, to, I have to know what is going on with the game. Oh, that's so cool, man. I love your passion for your club. Um, who would you say is your favorite ever player for Athletic Nacional? It's, it's, it's hard to say. It's hard to say, but you have different connections with different players. But if I have to pick one, would be Victor Aristizabal, who is, uh, he played for the national team. And I would say, I would stay with him. He scored more than 300 goals for national. Wow. That's quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it is really good. So now you live in Tampa Bay, or at least in the Tampa Bay area. Um, yes. For those who have never been there, um, can you explain what it's like and what it's known for? Um, so it seems pretty attractive um, in terms of traveling there uh, for vacation or retiring there. Um, but, you know, I've only been there a couple of times to visit my sister who actually lives there. So I don't know too much about it. Okay, then, then Tampa Bay is is a big area. There is like a different cities that compose like uh, Tampa Tampa Bay, like Tampa obviously the main city, Clearwater, St. Petersburg, Bradenton, Brandon. There is like a lot of small cities that is like all together are the Tampa Bay area. It's like a very tourist uh, area because of Clearwater, all the the beaches are there and everything and they have the the good thing about about this area is the sports as well right i think is 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 one of the the cities in in us that we have all the sports here we have i mean we don't have basketball that's the only one but but we mm-hmm. have a buccaneers football we have tampa bay rays in baseball mm-hmm. we have the lightning in hockey and we have the rowdies in in football, in soccer, then it's like basically a very, very sports area. And it's really good. Yeah. Like in 2020, we were called Champa Bay because all four <laughs> teams won their divisions or the, the Super Bowl. We got the, the Lightning won the, the Stanley Cup and the Rays mm-hmm. and the Rowdies, they won the Easter division. We were Champa Bay in 2020. That's super funny. I love that. Champa Bay. Yeah. Oh, how cool. <laughs> So now you work for the Tampa Bay Rowdies, but what exactly do you do all day there? Okay, in my position, what I have to do is is taking care of the players in every single area. Then I'm the one, like, when the president uh, and the coach, when they sign a player, they tell me I just basically do the contract I fill out the, the forms and everything to register him to the league. And I start having conversation with the player to bring him in. 
into the city, then I pick him up at the airport, drop him off at the hotel or, or at his house, making sure that he has like everything to be comfortable in this area. And if I have to take him to the doctor for the physical entry, like I have to take care of the players like since then. I mean, during his stay here, like making sure they have everything they need until they went back home uh, when they finished the contract. Wow. Uh, day by day is like player by player. All the players text me every day at any time, uh, any moment then. I will be available for them 24-7, basically. And right now that we are in off-season, what we're doing is like trying to, all the players that finish it with the contract, like send them back home, making sure like the new players that are arriving, uh, they have the apartments ready because we rent 14 apartments to put the different players there. Then... We have to have everything ready for them for the next season. And when we are during the season, what I have to do is making sure like the team has everything for home and away games. Then when we travel, I have to book the hotels, the, the flights, make sure all the meals, they have everything ready. Then it's a very, it's a very interesting job because what I told the coaches and everybody is like, if there is no mistake, nobody is noticing what you're doing. But when something happens, like when I forget to get a meal or or have wrong something, that would be like a big deal for everybody. Then the, in, in, in my position, there is no room for mistakes. Right. And when, in, when there is a mistake, I have to just very quickly fix it. I have to fix it like very, very quick. Man, yeah, it's always tough to be in a position like that where like you were saying, it's like if you're doing your job well, nobody notices you. But if you do make just one mistake, everyone notices. That's definitely a tough position, almost like being a goalkeeper or something. It's very frustrating at sometimes, but um, I mean, I just deal with it. And I know, like people, people that that I know that they do my job in other teams, they get very, very upset, very frustrated that mm. at that point that they have to quit. Mm. Because they cannot handle it's, it's a lot of pressure when you're doing this because every everything has to be perfect then i I mean I'm my personality I can handle with all the mistakes at the moment then I just try to correct everything very quick mm. so it's almost like all these players are like your children right where you have to make sure they're they're fed and clothed and have a place to live and make it to all their appointments on time and everything. Uh, is that is that kind of the way you see it? Yeah, they, they are they are basically 25 to 30 children that I have to take care of. <laughs> uh, I mean, some of them are very easy to handle with, yeah. to handle it, but some of those are like very, very, very hard. Very, like, they ask for everything, for everything. Then sometimes I have to say no, like, like some of the places they want me to, to I mean something as personal like taking your driver license, you know, like <laughs> I mean you can go online and, and check it, like but <laughs> sometimes I have to explain like very basic things. But I mean I I will do it. I will do everything for them. I'm so happy. Then 
uh, I try for to do everything for them, and that way they can just uh, keep focus on the game and, and and just winning games. That's what that's what I tell them sometimes. It's like, okay, I do whatever you need, but just win the games. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So yeah, it's just literally your job to make sure all of those things outside of playing the game are taken care yeah. of so that their only worry is the game itself. That's super yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's right. So I bet a lot of people ask you this question, but how did you get that job? Because, you know, working in the sports world is the dream of a lot of people, but it seems really hard to kind of break into that world. Um, so I bet a lot of people kind of ask you about how they, you know, they too can have a job like yours. Um, so did you have a ton of prior experience that landed you this job or what did that look like? Yeah, well, I mean, working in sports, like you say, is is like is very hard, and I always think that I'm very lucky to to have this position because mm-hmm. there is only one position per team. I mean, the manager of soccer operation is just one in every team, and in USL, that is the league that the Rowdies play, is thirty thirty two teams right now, and in MLS, for example, is like. It's about that, 32, 34. Then if you put like in a big perspective, it's 60 people. It's around 60 people in the whole country. And I am one of those. Wow. Then yeah. if, if if you put it like that, is I feel very lucky to have yeah. one of those positions because I love my job. I mean, if I can do this without getting paid, I, I mean, if I don't need money to live, I will do this without getting paid, <laughs> you know? But I, unfortunately, I need money to, to, to live. <laughs> then, but I will do it. I mean, I have no doubt I will do it for free. If, if, if yeah, if I don't need money, I will do it for free every, every time. Yeah, but yeah. They, they keep sending you these paychecks. So you're like, oh, I guess, I guess I'll let you pay yes, me to do this. Yes. Right, yeah. It's good. It's good. Yeah. Then the, the way I get this job is, uh, I moved to I moved to US in in 2014. Okay. I used to work in Colombia in in, in two different teams. Uh, I work for Nacional, the team that I like. Wow. I used to be the photographer for for the team, and after that, I work with uh, another team that was like a smaller team in, in Colombia. Mm-hmm. The name is Patriotas de Boyacá like Patriots here. Huh. <laughs> and I used to do like with the youth development, like finding players around the country to bring for the first team or the second team. And they they have some players like, like just to let you know, like one of those players that we found uh, is playing right now in first division in Paraguay. Awesome. Then it worked. And another player that when I used to work in that team, I mean, we used to be like in a very poor part of the city in Colombia. And one day, one kid just show up, no shoes, Mm. like skinny and hungry. And he said, I want to help you. And say, okay, just come help picking up the balls, whatever. And next day, oh, I want to play. Okay, we just gave him some shoes and he started playing and he was good. Then. After a couple of weeks of the kid playing with with us, the the owner of the of the club or the the, the president of that club, he said, "Hey, okay, I want to talk to your mom. Their mom lives like in a very very poor house, mm-hmm. and they didn't have enough money to to take care of the kid. Mm-hmm. Then this uh, 
the, the, the owner of the club, he said to the mom, like, listen, I have a house and I have a lot of players living there. Just give me the key, the kid. He lives with me and you come like every day to clean the house and to make lunch for us. And she said, okay. And this kid start playing, going to school and playing, 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 playing. After a couple of years, he played, he, he made his debut in Colombia, first division. Wow. And he played for in the under 20 World Cup for Colombia. And to and today, today he's playing in Chicago Fire in MLS. And it is, I mean, that's unbelievable. Yeah. A kid that one day was next to you with no shoes and today is playing MLS with a big contract and that's like kind of amazing, amazing thing that you can do. And that's a couple of things that I do for that team. Then working with those teams in Colombia, I had like enough experience knowing different presidents in Colombia for the other teams and, and, and working professional sports. But when I moved here, I had like a big, big issue. And was that, as you notice, my English is not perfect, but when I moved here, was zero English. I didn't speak English at all. Then, yeah, I had the experience. I had everything, but I didn't speak the language. Then I started working in different things just to learn the language to be able to work in a professional team here in 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 US. Uh, then I did multiple things. Then one of those was start coaching kids. And coaching kids in, in Tampa, here in Tampa, uh, I met a guy who was the assistant coach for the Rowdies. And every day for three months, I told him, I want to work for the Rowdies. I want to work <laughs> every day for, until one day he said, like, okay, I got something for you. And I just moved to the Rowdies. That's how I got that job. <laughs> wow. What a stroke of luck. But also, man, got to credit the... Uh the persistence you show just asking for the job over and over again until you, you finally got it. That's incredible. man. <laughs> it is. And also that's just an incredible story about that, that young kid that kind of just waltzed in one day and ended up um, becoming an MLS player. What, what, what's his name? Carlos Teran, the number 24, num number 23, sorry, number 23 center back. Yeah. Wow. And what a diamond in the rough you guys found. I mean, playing for the Colombian national team for his age bracket. I mean, that's just incredible. What yeah, a it is. He's a, he's a good player. He's a good player. He, he got called for the national team again, like for a, for like a training camp. Then, I mean, yeah, he's, he's in the process. I think he's like 21, 22 years old right now. And he's in the process. He's doing good. And hopefully he'll do better. Man, well, that truly is an incredible story. Um, so now we've heard about how your time with Tampa Bay started and everything. But now let's get to what is essentially the main part of the podcast. So what's your club or what is the Tampa Bay Rowdies? Uh, tell me about the history of the Rowdies. You know, when was the club founded? What are the club's major milestones? What leagues has it played in? Uh, that sort of thing. Because, you know, I only really know about a couple of the main signings they've made, but I actually don't know much about the club itself. Okay, then before I joined the club, I knew there was a team, Tampa Bay Rowdies, in the area, but I was like one hour away. I used to live like one hour. And then I said, like, yeah, I kind of want to go to watch, but 
I didn't have the opportunity, but one day I just went to one game and I saw big player like Joe Cole. Say, oh, this is kind of cool. Like that was like just like four months before I started working for the for the team. Then I say, okay. Then I joined the team. I started working. Then I have to work with Joe Cole, Marcel Schaefer. That he was like, an, I mean, obviously Joe Cole, big Chelsea player, England. Uh, he played the World Cup for England. Another one was my Marcel Schaefer, who plays. He's a big, big. Uh, legend for Wolfsburg in Germany. He played for the Germany national team. Martin Wingard, who was like a big legend for Denmark as well, he played for the national team. Uh, Martin Patterson, Neil Collins, that they play in the Premier League. Neil Collins is the coach today. And I said, like, wow, I mean, I'm with like, what is this, you know? <laughs> Then I have been I have been with big players like in Colombia. Now I'm with a player that played the World Cup. Then I say, okay, this is this is fun. And then I start reading more about the rowdies, and I I saw like, okay, this is a big club. Then I then I knew that the rowdies were one of the biggest clubs in U.S. or at least the oldest with the Cosmos. Then I saw like, okay, Pelé, Pelé used to play against the Rowdies back in the 70s. Then I said, wow, this is incredible. This is incredible. It's unbelievable. Then that was very exciting for me. I was very excited like to, to know all of that. And to be honest, I mean, I have the opportunity to travel with the team every time we, we go away. And we are one of the clubs that we have fans Everywhere we go, like every city, every city we visit, we have fans. And I know they are not the players' family because I'm the one that gives the tickets to the players' families when we go out on a away trip. Then I know who I'm giving tickets to. Then I know, okay, that's not. I mean, I know there is a guy that from here from St. Pete, and he travels to, last year he went to Phoenix, he went to Oakland, like, in the other side of the country and he traveled then this is this is how you know like how how big is a club you know when you have supporters all around the the country yeah that's rare for american soccer especially um i feel like yeah with most american clubs you you just go to the the home games and that's it and to me they seem like the highest reputation team in that division um, they're definitely the ones that I had heard of the most, even though I'm not too familiar with the division as a whole. They're definitely the ones I've heard of the most. So what would you say? I mean, I, I, I would say from USL, I mean, I think like they're big, big, big uh, teams. Rowdies, for me, is one of the most important clubs. Uh, it's, Phoenix is right there. Louisville is a, is a new club, but uh, it's getting big and is doing the things right. And San Antonio is like also like they're the actual champions and they are big club as well. I would say those four are like the biggest clubs in in USL right now. Gotcha. Okay. So so Tampa Bay is one of the biggest in terms of its you know reputation and everything. Um, have they won the USL before, like the USL Championship, or um, have they just won other leagues before the USL? Not the USL. They won. Back in the 70s, 
75, they won the NASL. Then they just keep playing until the 86 or 88. And they disappear for a couple time. And then they play indoor soccer. And then the franchise disappear for complete, completely. They they like reborn in 2020 in 2010 sorry in 2010 and they won in 2012 in 2012 they won the nasl again okay great so yeah so they won the nasl a couple times but then um yeah when did they join the usl the rowdies joined the usl in 2017 that was like my first year my first year with the club was in 2017 and that was the year they joined the usl Okay, yeah. So it seems like the Rowdies have had a lot of highs and lows in their history, right? I mean, they were, you know, around for a while, 70s and 80s, and they folded. They did indoor soccer for a while, but they've been back since 2010. I mean, um, in the first episode I recorded with a guy from Chattanooga FC, we talked a lot about kind of how the, the league system in America is super unsteady and how, you know, teams are constantly, you know, getting propped up and then they fold kind of over and over again and just how unsteady and unsustainable it can be. Um, But yeah, it's, it's cool that it seems like the Rowdies now have an established place in the American soccer landscape, right? Where I I can't see them, you know, disappearing anytime soon. Right. Um, Things seem a lot steadier now and it seems like the Rowdies are here to stay. So um, that's really encouraging to see. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now one of the major milestones in the Tampa Bay Rowdies history is that signing of Joe Cole. So for those listening who don't know, um, which you should know, but hey, in case you don't, Joe Cole is an English player um, who is an absolute legend of the game. So of course he played for clubs like Chelsea, right? Um, like you mentioned. But um, yeah, if you look up, you know, many of his goals, you're going to see some pretty um, incredible goals. So Chelsea, of course, he scored a couple of really great goals against uh, Manchester United. But for the English national team at the World Cup, he scored um, in 2006 against Sweden. So if you have not seen that, you know, pause it right now, go look up that goal. Yeah, um, that's an unbelievable. That's an unbelievable goal. Uh, I mean, when, when he was playing for the Rowdies, he was 30, 36 years old. And I remember I, I used to show him a lot of videos of himself, like, Hey Joe, look at this goal you did. Look at this pass. Look at this. Hey, Juan, stop showing me those things because I cannot do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> then, then yeah, that that's a funny thing. That I mean, but yeah, he was a great person, and, and yeah, for I think he's the biggest player that I work with for now. Like, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so. Tell me what kind of impact his signing had on the club and, you know, how things changed when he arrived. And if there was a lot of change, do you feel like that change has been long lasting? I mean, the the former owner, bring Joe Cole, he thought he was going to like sell jerseys and bring people to the stadium and like these big signings do for, for other clubs around the world. And that didn't happen like, as he expected, but... To be honest, I mean, Joe Cole, that was a lot of people that come to the Rowdies Stadium online just to see him. Just to see him, just to have a picture with him, just to talk to him, just to say hi to him. And 
and we have, we sold a lot of jerseys from Joe Cole as well. And one of the particular things is like, we got emails every time we go to a, an away game, we got emails about Chelsea fans that they want to see him, take a picture with him. Then after the game, I had to meet with them, say, Joe Cole, there is a group of fans from Chelsea that they want to see you. And they have all the Chelsea flags and they want to see him. And, and, and that was, I mean, everywhere we got, everywhere. That was like Chelsea fans everywhere trying to see him. Like when you are at the airport, that was people recognize him. When sometimes after the game that we go out for a drink or something, people at the bar in North Carolina, in New York, everywhere, they, they recognize him. Yeah, and he was like very kind and he talked to everybody, but you know. Yeah, from the interviews I've seen of him, he definitely seems like a really nice kind of down-to-earth guy. So that's that's really cool to know that he actually is that way um, in person as well. Yeah, and the thing is, during that time that he was playing for the Rowdies, that was uh, Didier Drogba. He was with the Phoenix Rising as well then the, in the USL. Then USL had like, yeah, USL had like a couple of big names in the league as well. And right now, like for example, like uh, David da- Davis Davis uh, from Bayern Munich, the Canadian. Yeah. Alfonso Alfonso yeah, Davis, Davis. He used to play in USL as well. Oh. He played in USL. He played in USL. He went to MLS and from MLS went to to Bayern Munich. That's incredible. I didn't realize he played in the USL though. Yeah. And when it comes to your position, I mean. Tell me a little bit more about what the dynamic is like, because um, I think a lot of people just when they imagine what it must what it must be like to be you working for the Rowdies, working with the players, they they must think it's you know super fun. You get to have this close connection with the players and everything. But what do you say it was more um, you kind of knew them on a personal level as well or was it strictly professional? I mean, for in my position, you you are very close with the players. you are very close with all the players. Not I mean, not all of them, but uh, there are like a group of players that you're very close with. Like uh, I have a group that we go for lunch or we go out for movies or, you know, but I mean, it's like, it's like life, you know, you, you have co there are co-workers and you have co-workers with that you go out with and some just like you just work together and that's it. Then I, there are some players that I just do things for them and other players that I have a better relationship. We have more connections and we can go out and and spend the afternoon after a whole day being at the stadium working. Uh, with Joe Cole, he's like, I mean, he, when he was here, he was here with his family and everything. Then uh, we didn't do too much after. But, I mean, he had visited here twice and... It's good. Like sometimes we just chat or whatever. Like I text him about England or whatever, and he's very kind. You know, he's very kind. Like that's the thing. It's not. It's not just about your call. Like I try to keep a relationship with like most of the players uh, that used to play for the Rowdies. Like when they have like a, a, when they score a good goal or they do a, a something good, I try to like text them or, or have contact with them. I like to have contact with people. Then, yeah. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. That's, that's super interesting, though. I can see why a lot of people want to, you know, work in the sports world if if there's jobs like that out there, man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do the Rowdies have plans to ever become part of Major League Soccer, or um, are they content to kind of stay at the level they're at, you know, in the USL and you know, in Division Two, and just be a an absolute dominant force in the USL for years to come, or do they kind of want to push it to the next level and see if they could make it uh, into the MLS and compete at that level? Um. Okay. We, like I said, the former owner, he was like a very ambitious guy, and he to be in the MLS, you have to apply. It's not like uh, you just buy a franchise and you're in. No, it's that you have to apply and they have to approve if you can be a MLS team or not. Then in 2019, 2018, he applied and we went to four teams. That was San Luis, Tampa Bay Rowdies, Miami, and Sacramento. And in those from those four, MLS picked Miami and Sacramento. Miami, obviously, is in the MLS right now, Inter-Miami. Sacramento, they weren't going to MLS. They were going to be, but now they just, like, back out. And, and San Luis is now going to MLS next year. Then, yeah, they didn't, they didn't approve us to be part of the MLS. Then this guy sold the team, and now we're owned by the Tampa Bay Rays, the baseball team. Like The same owner is the owner of both teams. And for now, we are not planning to play in MLS. Okay, so that's interesting. But it's more than just an application, right? Because... Um... You have to pay two or three hundred million dollars to get into the MLS, uh, if I'm not mistaken. But also with the Tampa Bay Rowdies, um, their stadium isn't big enough, so they would either have to redevelop and um, you know expand the stadium they have, or they would have to just build a new stadium entirely. Because I believe the minimum capacity is eighteen thousand for MLS. Yep, and this eighteen, yeah. Our study our stadium is right now is seventy five hundred. But used to be a baseball baseball specific stadium. Right now is soccer specific stadium. Keeps like the, the baseball shape, you know. <laughs> and it's 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 kinda weird but it's very nice because it's next to the water. St. Petersburg is a great city. St. Petersburg is a great city and and, and and the stadium is very nice. It's, it's, I think it's one of the most beautiful stadiums in, in USL. Yeah, and more than just USL, I would say for any sport in the entire country, right? Um, but yeah, so final question here, Juan. Why should the listener become a fan of the Tampa Bay Rowdies? I mean, like I said, the Rowdies are one of the biggest teams in, in, in U.S. Uh, soccer history that is still alive. Uh, Cosmos was the other one, and... Now they're not a thing anymore for now. Hopefully hopefully they come back and, and because that would be like a, a good rivalry for, for us. But I mean Rowdy is, is just the colors, the culture, the people here in St. Pete, like the the atmosphere like when the games home and away, because like I say, everywhere we go we have fans. And Rowdy's is just like a, a great thing. And Come on, you rowdies. <laughs> <laughs> Love that, man. 
well, hey, well, hopefully I get to see you down there at a Rowdy's game. Of course, you know, my sister lives down there. So while I'm seeing her, hopefully I could see you down there at a game and um, get to experience the Rowdy's uh, match day experience. Um, but yeah, man, thank you so much for coming uh, on the podcast. I really appreciate you being so generous with your time. And I wish you the best of luck uh, this off season as you prepare for next season, man. Uh, thanks again. Hope you have a good rest of your day. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. And you're more than welcome here in St. Peter anytime. Anytime.